Well, Politico took a swing at me this weekend. We're going to talk about Trump's 2020 contenders and also Admiral McRaven. Hey, welcome back to Liberty and Cocktails with me, Carl Higby. So uh, Politico ran a story on me yesterday, Sunday it dropped, and it talked about how the president is believes to have owed people things. And it insinuates that we owe these people. That's actually the headline of the article. And I want to be very clear here. The president doesn't owe me anything. Yes, I was there from day one. Yes, I took an enormous amount of crap from people for this. And yes, I ended up you know, being under the microscope and scrutinized because of my involvement with his administration. But he does not owe me anything. I owe him everything. I owe him everything for giving up his multi, multi-million, you know, billion-dollar lifestyle, where he could go and retire on a beach tomorrow. I owe him for that. Because he's out there getting kicked in the dirt every day, taking enormous amount of crap, he's lost personal wealth, and yet he still fights for the United States. And I put out a tweet the other day, I said, what people don't understand is that the 2016 Trump campaign never paid me a dime for my support. And they don't pay me now. I do it because I believe in him. I was and still am willing to take media abuse for the sake of our country. I'm a fighter. Keep fighting for us, POTUS. And I wanted to kind of talk about that because it got enormous traction on Twitter. But I really want people to understand that I don't think the president owes me anything. And I, I all the people out there who have been involved with President Trump in the media and everything, we've all been attacked. I mean, you see, the New York Times just hired this Jong lady who has, you know, notoriously been racist against white people, yet they they hire her. They give her a blue check mark on Twitter. I know a girl, Laura Loomer, who got her blue check mark tw- taken away for saying far less. But she's a conservative, so that's that's why. You know, I'm I, I'm part of this, and I believe in President Trump because of the good things he's doing. I believe in him because he is winning. When I see him stand up there on stage and he calls out the fake news, look, the fake news has been around for years. He's just the first person to call it out. They've been reporting an agenda for years. He's the first person with a set of cojones that stood up there and said, hey, you guys are lying. That's why I believe in him. And the more the media pushes back, especially on people like me, pushes back on anybody, the harder we will fight back. Because we didn't get there. We didn't help get President Trump into office because we're thin-skinned. Sure, you might knock us down, but we're getting back up, and we're going to continue to fight. You know, And all these people say, oh, I'm so morally appalled by the way he speaks, by the way he talks. Look, nobody... Nobody out there is crystal clean. Nobody. And it just, to me, when I see these people singing from their high horse, like Cory Booker, who we'll talk about in a minute, talking about how the, the language, you're going to tell me that Cory Booker's never uttered a swear word in his, in his life? I know for a fact that's untrue. You know, some of these people would look in the mirror. They would see a far different picture from what they think they are. And that, 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 to me, is the height of hypocrisy. 
just like this woman uh, who star- uh, Asia Argento. She was the originator of the Me Too movement. She was the one who originally came out against Harvey Weinstein. She came out and pushed this huge narrative that he, you know, sexual assault, you can't have it, and blah, blah, blah. She's right. It shouldn't be. As a victim of sexual assault myself, you can't have that. But yet, it just came out today that this woman, I mean, she's a real gem. One of the first thing I found when I Googled her was a picture of, of her flicking someone off. So she's, you know, this moral high ground there. She paid off to the tune of over $300,000 a minor, 17 years old at the time of the sexual assault, to keep his mouth shut. So she did exactly what Harvey Weinstein did, but yet is so morally appalled by that. I mean, this is what we're dealing with on the Democratic side. This, this, this hypocrisy, the two sides... You know, I want to go a little bit deeper into hypocrisy. Everybody who's probably seen Admiral McRaven has come out, and he has said, hey, Mr. President, take my security clearance too because I back John Brennan. Now, we know that Admiral McRaven is a, is a liberal. He was floated as a potential VP candidate for Hillary Clinton. But what you guys might not know is when I wrote my first book on active duty, Battle on the Home Front, Admiral McRaven pass down the chain of command that the SEALs will not be politicized and we do not take political stances. So this is a guy that because I disagreed with the president at the time, which was Obama, that I could not take a stand. I I could not have my First Amendment rights. But yet when he wants to do it, because he disagrees with the political ideology, that's an issue. I, I, I find this very difficult to stomach. Um... And we're looking into, I mean, is he going to run for office? Is he going to go as a Democratic contender for 2020? That's going to it, that's going to put a rift in the SEAL community. If he runs for office, it is going to be a tough, uh, a tough media battle between prominent SEALs, such as, you know, Brandon Webb, Rob O'Neill, myself, in the media. I mean, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Trump's other potential... Um, opponents for 2020. And I keep in mind, he may still have a primary. Maybe. We don't know. And, you know, some names that are being floated are John Kasich. But John Kasich, you only won your own state. That's the only state he won. You poured tons of money. You poured your the majority of your war chest into New Hampshire, and you still took second place. People are floating Jeff Flake. Please, I would love to see Jeff Flake try to primary Donald Trump. Mitt Romney, too. I mean... We know that Mitt Romney has no fight in him. We saw that in the uh, 2012 elections with Barack Obama. I mean, Bar- Obama was not that much of a fighter. He was a charismatic guy, but he's not much, much of a fighter, and he, he mopped the floor with Mitt Romney. You know, going into some of these Democratic challengers, I, I've been looking over this list, and no matter how you stack it, these are the same you know dozen and dozen or so names that I keep coming up with. The one I keep hearing widest is Oprah. Now, during the presidential election, the 2016 election, she said being a TV star doesn't make you presidential material. She actually said that. So the fact that she would run for office... Now, now keep in mind, she's denying it publicly. But, you know, that's that's what everybody does until they're ready to run. When people ask me, I said, I don't know, maybe. I'd like to run for office again if I, if I, if I thought I could do some good. 
I don't deny it, but I'm, I guess I'm a different breed. You know, she was also friends with Trump. So the narrative that Trump is racist won't, won't work with her. So that might be the big reason the Democratic Party will try to shut her down. <laughs> she, you know, there's multiple pictures, multiple functions, multiple things that, that, you know, that they did together that she can't say, well, Trump is a racist and then he's always been racist and both. That won't work. Uh, next one is New Orleans mayor, Mitch Landrieu. Now, most of you people probably have never heard of this guy. You know, aside from never fixing much of anything, this is the guy who removed Confederate statues in New Orleans. That was his big legislative, um, his big legislative accomplishment. He moved all, removed all these Confederate statues because he says that they were, you know, relics to slavery and things like that. Forget the fact that they were history, but he. Um, He's also known for his major, major push for gentrification. Now, gentrification can lead to the community displacement of lower-income families. Um, this is in the gentrifying neighborhoods. You know what happens is is they bring in new investors, they try to displace people, evict people, and they they bring values up. So rental costs rise. Now, the the, the staple of the Democratic platform is that they're they're here for the little guy. They're pushing for the little guy, and there's nothing, you know, the Republicans are bad, and all we want to do is make sure that, you know, low income and blue collar and the middle class, you know, the middle classes they're talking about, middle class can afford it. Tell me again how gentrification, by displacing people, is helping the little guy. Sure, it's good for property values. He's also, you know, moving on to that, he's he's also known for paving the way for Airbnb through the city council. And this led to many local residents being evicted. They were evicted because landlords would pursue these more profitable Airbnb options. So this, he embodies the big brother. One of the biggest talking points against Donald Trump was this eminent domain claim where he pushed a woman out of his house. This guy, Mitch, has been doing that for years. He's been using the government to do it. He's also a, a big brother's watching sort of guy. He he tripled the number of traffic cameras to increase revenue for the city. I think he's like raising over $15 million for the city. But he's doing it on the backs of the already poverty-stricken population. He also killed off the uh, a lot of the, the nightclub life. He regulated nightclubs and he, the, the famous street brass that people go to New Orleans to see. People out in the street playing instruments and things like that. It's the heart and soul of the city. He, he crushed that. He, he took away a lot of options for that. He raided and took over liquor licenses for some of the topless bars and clubs right before Mardi Gras. This is the busiest time of the year. These people rely on Mardi Gras to make their, their bottom line for the entire year. And he went in... And raided these businesses and took their liquor license. He put hundreds of people, hundreds of, of bartenders and and waitresses, and he put them all out of work. So there's another Democratic candidate. You have uh, Senator Sherrod Brown. Now, I don't know, I'll admit, I don't know much about this guy. But he votes with um, Schumer and Pelosi about 95% of the time. So there you have it. You know, he's, he's a sitting Ohio senator, and he's uh, he's going up against Renacci, who Trump is strongly backed. But he'll he'll definitely vote. I mean, this guy, judging by his record, he'll definitely vote to rescind your tax cuts. That's for damn sure. 
He's been there 25 years, and what does he have to show for it? 25 years in government. This is why he's like a, a classic example of why you need term limits. He's an F rating from the NRA, so he doesn't like guns. I bet you he's protected by guns at some of his rallies. His ideology, ideology tracker, this thing that you Google and it shows you where you are based on all the other senators, is all the way to the left. I mean, you're there's like two or three people to the left of him. The only thing I, only person I can think of left to him is the next guy on the list, Cuomo. Now, he said, uh, you guys all heard this, my head hurts talking about this, is that he is, he said, well, America's never been that great. We're not going to make America great again. No, you and your family have been in power for years now, and all of a sudden he's concerned about how great America is. If it's not that great, if you don't think it's that great, it's because your policies that you've put in place and your family's put in place over decades, decades, didn't lead us to be great. It's your policies that failed. Donald Trump is just fixing it. So your policies failed. Now you're using it as a, a convenient talking point to you know, hit, hit the president. It doesn't fly. Your state, New York, is a disaster. You and de Blasio... You can walk hand in hand into whatever liberal utopia you believe is right, but you have destroyed your state. And the only thing that's starting to bring back your state is you conceded, based on Republican policies, you conceded that there are tax-free zones now in the state of New York because you wanted to bring businesses back because you saw them fleeing to places like Florida and Texas and South Carolina and things like that. So your policies don't work by your own admission. By your own admission, they don't work. The state is completely upside down. It's a disaster. Speaking of another disaster, my home state and another candidate that we may see in 2020 is Chris Murphy. Now, this guy is out to lunch. He is super far left. My own state, people who voted for him can't stand him. I know tons of Democrats here because I live here that are like, man, I hate that guy. But I voted for him because I'm a Democrat. He's one of these far left anti-gun people he came out so hard after Sandy Hook, he basically said we need to ban all guns. And he loved the assault weapon ban, but doesn't know what one is. Doesn't know the difference between a magazine, a bullet, and a clip. But yet he's talking about it and writing legislation on it based on emotion. Because it's a convenient talking point, and he's backed by some of these anti-gun groups. He was the architect of a bill. This is what he has to show. One of, one of very few legislative accomplishments the architect of a bill to require the Secretary of the Treasury to mint coins in recognition of American innovation and significant innovation and pioneering efforts of individuals or groups from each of the 50 states. Now, he was so very not busy that he passed the same bill twice. It's roughly the same thing. It just says you need to, uh, he, he required the Treasury to spend more money in order to print our money with significant people on it. Look, I don't care. The quarter's been around for you. Bring back the Buffalo nickel. I don't care. I don't care what's on my coin. I mean, this is, this is the focus of this guy's legislative ideology. I'm going to make sure that we give recognition for people on coins. Vote for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, you shouldn't be there. But he's also being floated for vice president, so we can count on... You know, maybe him taking some of the other names and faces off the dollar bills. We'll see. Another guy is Mike Bloomberg. Now, my wife has a coffee cup with a Bloomberg 
uh, with Bloomberg's picture. I don't know why she has it. I guess someone gave it to her, but it drives me nuts. But I'm not allowed to throw it away. It's her favorite mug. Um, my wife's a Republican. Yeah, I, I'd say, look, stick to the stock market. He's already thrown $80 million at Dem candidates this cycle. He's, but he's, he's what the Democrats say they don't want. He's the rich, old, white guy. He's like 75 years old. He's four years older than Trump is. So he's not going to do two terms. I mean, he, let's be honest. He's not going to win one term. I don't know. The Democrats only like him because he's, he can self-fund his own campaign, much like Trump did. Hmm. So another one that's on the opposite end of the race spectrum is Eric Holder. And there is absolutely no way, no way Fast and Furious will go unnoticed with this. Now, you might have been able to sweep it under the rug during uh, Obama. But when you're running on the national stage against someone like Trump who owns the media cycle, you are going to be buried. No way. Former VA Governor Terry McAuliffe. Now, now this guy, he's, he's doing this tour to elect Dem governors. And he said, we need people to stand up and punch him back, referring to the president. Rhetorically is what he meant. But he said it. So the Democratic Party who's raged against Trump is, is inciting violence. These are the same Democratic Party that has encouraged Antifa has now come out and essentially said the same thing back to him while simultaneously being mad at Trump for doing it, right? I don't get it, but um, former Massachusetts Governor uh, Deval Patrick, he's being very quiet right now, but he's moving pieces behind the scenes, and this is that's a smart move. If you're going to run against someone like Trump, you want to give him as little time to start attacking you. Senator Gildebrand? Long-time Clinton folk. She says she stands for women's now, but only recently came out against Bill Clinton. So this would be a Trump versus Clinton. I mean, it would, it would be a similar similar thing. She's same, same policies, and she's running because she thinks, well, it'd be, it, you know, I'm a woman, so I should win. It's the same entitlement that Hillary had. Because I am, therefore, I, I, I'm owed. Now, Cory Booker. I want you to listen to this clip real quick. The commander-in-chief in an Oval Office meeting referring to people from African countries and Haitians with the most vile and vulgar language. He called a dump a dump. The language festers. When ignorance and bigotry is allied with power, it is a dangerous force in our country. He should do Shakespeare, man, honestly. Your silence and your amnesia is complicity. Right now in our nation, we have a problem. I don't know if 73% of your time is spent on white supremacist hate groups. I don't know if 73% of your time is spent concerned about the people in fear in communities in this country, Sikh Americans, Muslim Americans, black Americans. The fact pattern is clear of the threats in this country. I hurt. When Dick Durbin called me, I had tears of rage when I heard about this experience in that meeting. And for you not to feel that hurt and that pain and to dismiss some of the questions of my colleagues, saying I've already answered that line of questions when tens of millions of Americans this is so overly are hurting dramatic. right now 
because of what they're worried about what happened in the White House. That's unacceptable to me. There are threats in this country, people plotting. I receive enough death threats to know the reality. Kamala receives enough death threats to know the reality. Maisie receives enough death threats to know the reality. And I've got a president of the United States whose office I respect, who talks about the countries of origins of my fellow citizens in the most despicable of manner. You don't remember. You can't remember the words of your commander in chief. I find that unacceptable. Now, he was grilling uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Kristen Nielsen, and he was going off on her about President Trump's comment that he allegedly called these um, third world country shitholes. Now, did he? I don't know. Are these some of these countries that? Yeah, they are. And I love the script getting flipped back so quickly to the fact that when he did say that, they said, oh, oh, so they're not. So it's fine sending these illegal immigrants back to them. And of course, the Democrat, oh, whoa, 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 well, you know, they have to come here. For, uh, round and round and round it goes. So this is, <laughs> you know, this guy is such a drama queen. He, he's led the, this moral outrage charge um, against Trump, and it's just, it's not going anywhere. Another person on that list is Joe Biden. I, Joe, you had your shot, man. Yeah, no, it's not happening. Um, and also, Joe has said crazier things than Trump that we that we know about. You run for president, man. More's coming out. I mean, you all remember him with the Seven Eleven comment. Those things will all come out now. Somebody that Cory Booker mentioned was Kamala Harris. He said it, Kamala, uh, but. Ironic that one of his colleagues, a Democratic colleague in the Senate, he didn't even know her name. But she actually led the charge against Kristen Nelson to resign after enforcing the very laws that Senator Harris and the U.S. Senate passed. So, one more time, Kamala Harris, when there was separating the families in the ICE detention centers, which they've done under Obama, which they've done under Bush... These are laws that were passed a long time ago. They did them. They just didn't get, didn't get media attention because it wasn't politically convenient. So they didn't get the media attention then, but they're getting it now. And she wants Kristen Nielsen to resign for enforcing the laws that she passed. You pass a law, someone else enforces it, and then you want them to change the damn law. So that's the, the moral compass of Kamala Harris, or Kamala, as Cory Booker said. You know, this is funny, though. I want you to listen to this clip She, where she struggles. She's asked, what is your signature legislative accomplishment? I want you to listen to this. Right. Yeah. The reason why I asked if it ever gets old to say that, like, and I'm a United States senator, is, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of the Senate, you are relatively new to the job. Yes. Yeah. And, 18 um, months. Yeah. yeah. And we're wondering maybe if you can talk about what, at this point, you consider your like your biggest win or the thing that when you're like, wow, when I look back at those 18 months, this is the thing that like I want top of the resume. Here we go. The, the, I'll tell you, um, one of the things that I think for me is most important is the role that I serve on the various committees that I'm on, um, which are oversight committees. Like, let's be clear, those committees exist to 
to to waste taxpayer watch dollars and question um, what is going on with our government, with the United States government. So I'm on Senate Intelligence, I'm on Homeland Security, I'm on Judiciary, and the accomplishment then for me is a function of what I think my role should be. And often, especially in the last eighteen months, it has been to try and get at the truth. And so the accomplishment is, and the goal is to always make sure that we are being, and the system is being as transparent as possible, and that, you know, frankly, that the American public has the answers, and that we're being told the truth. And when that happens, I feel a sense of accomplishment. And when it doesn't happen, I feel a sense of frustration. Okay. <laughs> um, so committees, that's her accomplishment. Your accomplishment is getting paid, uh, what is it, $180,000 a year to go to D.C., not to mention your travel and your staff and all that stuff, to go sit on committees at Oversight to get to the truth. Well, let's get to the truth on that. One of those committees, the Judicial Committee, where are they on the Russia collusion? You've been wasting millions, 30-plus million taxpayer dollars looking for collusion that's resorted in, in, in Manafort being charged with tax fraud. That, that's not—you have no—you've been there for a year and a half. No legislative accomplishment— Nothing. You can't say, like, I did that. The one thing I did since I've been there is this. No, you can't. You have nothing to say except for sitting in a chair. Sitting in a chair in the minority party, mind you, and do nothing. This is, this is government. This is why I hate government so much is because she thinks that that is an accomplishment to get on a committee. No. One of my favorite contenders uh, could be potentially Elizabeth Warren. Pocahontas, as Trump calls her. It's great. Hammer at home. You claim to be Native American, and it turns like she, you know, there's been all these people who have offered her money to her favorite charity or a challenge, or, you know, I think Kaya Jones uh, challenged her to a, uh, a DNA test because she is Native American. And <laughs> Pocahontas. She won't take it because she knows. Now, this is the woman who wanted to... She's like on the front lines of this Abolish ICE movement. I said, take some refugees into your home. Take some of these illegal immigrants into your home. Some of these MS-13 people. That, by the way, they're removing from your state. Your state. You know, you've got enough problems in the state of Massachusetts with the, uh, the heroin epidemic, the opioid epidemic. Maybe you should be rallying for that. You know, the other thing, too, is, and, you know, she hates bankers. I mean, hates bankers. She's, oh, yeah, they're they're greedy. They're making so much money. They need to be regulated, and they need they need to pay their fair share because they're wealthy and stuff like this. Let me tell you, I, saw, I sat next to her on a plane in first class. I paid for my ticket. She didn't. Okay, she was also making $400,000 a year teaching part-time at Harvard. 400K to teach your kids. You know, mothers and fathers and kids are bending over backwards, straddled with debt to afford these schools, and she's walking away with 400k a year? Give me a break. And you want to hit bankers. That's more than a lot of bankers make, especially now post-2008. And the last one on the list is Bernie Sanders. Dude, this guy, he's he's a socialist, and he's old. And I'm talking like, like Lord of the Rings old. I mean, look, wizard on Lord of the Rings old. He's an independent because, you know, a few years ago when he registered as, well, many years ago when he registered as an independent, he was too far left for the Democratic Party. So, you know, now he aligns perfectly. I mean, he's literally, he's like, I'm a socialist. This guy's, 
He didn't win before. He's not going to win win again. Folks, these are the clowns and cartoon characters that could run in 2020. None of them have accomplished anything. None of them have anything to say that they've done good for the American people, at least not recently. They've, you know, voted on bills and things like that, but I want to know a single policy that any one of these dozen or so candidates has run on that has made America a better place. I want to know. Folks, remember to follow me on Twitter, at Carl Higby. Go to www.LibertyAndCocktails.com to hear more. This is Liberty and Cocktails. (laughs) 